Well, this is, um, we're discussing Matthew part 2, and this is uh, the 15th of December 2007. Matthew part 2, this is uh, uh, lesson 3, which is a discussion on chapter 13 of of Matthew. Let's open in prayer. Father, we do thank you for uh, our master, Yeshua. What a wise teacher he was and is. We thank you that he has given us good teaching. Father, we, help, we ask that you might help us to see beyond the, uh, the obscured and to see precisely his meaning. And Father, we pray that you might help us to see precisely what it is to be a member of the kingdom of heaven. We thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen. We're looking at kingdom parables. And the word parable, uh, it comes from the Greek and the Latin uh, into English. And it actually very accurately reflects, well, not really. The Hebrew does a better job, I think, of accurately reflecting what we're talking about. It's interesting to me that these are called, in your Bible, these are called the parables, right? King of parables, maybe a sub, uh, heading over it, over what you're looking at. And yet, yes? Sorry, can you know, does anybody have a black Saturn? There's a black Saturn with the lights on in the parking lot. What's this? What did you see? 4042. Thank you. Sorry. That's fine. Um, a mashal, mashali, is what we have in uh, in the Tanakh. It's a book we call Proverbs. So why don't we call these the Proverbs of Yeshua? Actually, that'd be more accurate. Why? What's the difference between a proverb and a parable? English. Your understanding. What's the difference between a proverb and a parable? What's the, what's the closest distance? Anybody heard of... I'm a pilot, so you'll forgive me for a moment. Anybody heard of the closest distance between two points? Straight, straight line. Straight line. How come when you draw that straight line on the map to get from New York to Paris, you've got to go over the North Pole? That's not a straight line. Well, it's, it's, it's parabolic. It's, it's a straight line on a globe, you know, and it's parabolic. It is, out of the way when you look at it, but it's actually a straight line. So, like, okay, the closest distance here. Yeah. Uh, so the closest distance may be parabolic. Parabolic means that it's not straight, but it's curved. So parable is curved. It's, it's another way to get there. Uh, not necessarily a direct way to get there. Well, what's a, what's a, what's a proverb? It's a, it's a statement, a correct statement. It's a teaching. A proverb is a, is a, a story. Nice axiom. Axiom is another word. It's an axiom, a true statement. Yeah. yeah. Well, so why don't we call these Yeshua's proverbs or Yeshua's axioms? Actually, axiom doesn't fit here because it's not completely plain. Um, look, think about it for a moment. When we get into these, uh, you're, you're going to hopefully see my point. Uh, proverbs 25.2. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter or to conceal a word but the glory of kings is to search out a matter or a word God wants to conceal does God want to conceal Uh, this is my covenant this is from Jeremiah 31 this is my covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days says the Lord by the way if you read earlier uh, uh, beginning of verse 31 you see that there's a covenant not with Israel the house of Israel alone but the house of Israel and Judah Says the Lord, I will put my Torah in their minds. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man say to his brother saying, Know the Lord. 
for they shall all they all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest is the Lord for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more this relationship this knowing of God is an important aspect that is oftentimes missed in, in, in recognizing uh, a corporate and an individual relationship with God uh, how do I know him can you know him can you know the unknowable can you know the infinite anyway uh, hopefully this discussion of parables will help us partly now partly uh, it, is, it is I always I'm, I'm always I always point out that the new covenant as expressed in Jeremiah 31 is not fulfilled we as new covenant believers are hoping for fulfillment is not fulfilled anybody that can stand in here and raise their hand and tell me I know God like Jeremiah 31 describes I will challenge you that you may think you do because there's something far more we are the we are tasting the new covenant and Yeshua wants to reveal it to us and he's going to reveal it to us in these parables one of the things that uh, I'm I'm amazed when we we talk about uh, parables is uh, that people don't like the plain meanings generally that's why traditional Christianity has for years just turned these all into giant allegories uh, deep, deep prophetic teachings which, my goodness, you can draw anything you want from them. So whole chapters of the Gospels turn into, into uh, even polemics against the very people they were taught to. You know, Oh, here's perfect. You know, The Jews rejected him, so that's what all these parables are about, which is just nonsense. Just nonsense. What are the, what's the plain meaning? There are plain meanings to parables, but you have to be willing to look at them. And what's interesting is that, that only a few people seem to get it when you read these parables. Everybody's kind of going away, scratching their head, going, what was that all about? Well, when we read that, we kind of think, well, it must be because it's prophetic. They weren't supposed to understand. And yet we recognize also that when Yeshua comes out, some of these parables, he actually tells people what the meaning is. And then when you read it, you go, well, that wasn't hard. Why didn't they get it? And oftentimes it's because they're looking deeper than they need to. <laughs> it's not hard. Parables are not hard for those who truly want to understand them. Here, let me rephrase that. No parable is difficult to understand. None. Zero. There's not a single parable in all of the Gospels that is impossible for us to understand. And yet, we have been taught, we've been taught countless times these parables are sometimes mysteries that we may not be able to truly get grasp but there are mysteries in scripture but you know the mysteries that are in scripture defined as mysteries oftentimes we go oh no problem Jew and Gentile one a Messiah you got that that's described as mystery <laughs> now the mystery of godliness Yeshua man and God that's a mystery it's not easy we may theologically think it's easy but it's not easy these parables are easy very easy they're simple um, the most important thing that you get you should get out of mashali parables mashal is they are not allegories 
You can make them allegories if you want. That's fine. That's not their purpose. So if you want to draw additional meanings from parables, as the sages are renowned for doing from the Proverbs, Solomon's Proverbs, nothing wrong with that. Fine. But if you discount their plain meaning in the process, you've missed the point. Because their plain meaning is the reason. It's simple. Parables are simple. I have it underlined. Parables are simple. Go to Matthew 13, verse 14 through 15. Yeshua actually go up to verse 11 and he speaking of Yeshua answered and said to them because it has been given to you speaking of his disciples to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven but to them it has not been given for whoever has to him more will be given and he who does he, he, he will have abundance but whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away from him therefore I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear nor do they understand and in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled which says hearing you will hear and shall not understand and seeing you will see and not perceive for the hearts of this people have grown dull people take this and they go see mysterious meanings what do these parables really mean they were concealed from those who were not willing to see them but they're not difficult they're simple um one of the things that, uh, that uh, these kingdom parables, by the way, are focused in Matthew 13. We see them in Luke as well. And you, sometimes you, you look at the Luke variations, it's very helpful for us to kind of uh, get, get the meaning. But oftentimes, if you did your homework, you saw that parables oftentimes come in pairs, couplets. And the reason for using two parables is to point out the singular meaning. See, here's, here's what people generally do with parables when they turn it into allegories. They generally, the kingdom of heaven is like... Okay, and they hear that and they go, okay, let's build an alternate universe. Uh, all of the little points, all of the little points have some, some sort of correlation. And you need to understand, parables never work that way. Never work that way. Parables are not about all the little points that describe the story. The parable is about the punchline. It's like a sermon illustration. It's like a joke. You know, people go, well, wait, that joke didn't make sense. You know, that little, that little thing you described over there, that makes no sense. What, what, you missed the joke. The joke was about the punchline, right? It's the same thing with a parable. People get all wrapped around, <laughs> around the axle trying to understand all the little correlations. Ooh, you know, ooh, what's this? And ooh, what's that? And they draw prophetic instances from it as well. Ooh, and they miss the punchline. The one thing. Sometimes two. But usually just one thing is the point of the parable. And you can get that by looking at the, core, the, the couplets, the two parables together. That's the common thing here, right? Um, it, it has been described as an, as an arrow. Where the arrow, the feathers on the arrow are all the points of the story. That's what makes the story go straight. But the, it's, the, it's the arrow itself is the, is the parable. The, the point of the parable the one teaching from the parable but here's the most important thing about parables about about mashal a proverb is that it hits the mark that it, that it serves a purpose and its point is always to make a decision you see when we treat parables as allegories they don't require a decision on them. 
for us. It's why when you read the Bible, not literally, but as an allegory and metaphors and full of mystical meanings, it requires no decision on your part. You can, you can, you can wash everything away in theological language. You never have to worry about doing anything. Right? As long as I raise my hand or walk down an aisle, that's the only decision I ever have to make. That's what people do. When, when theology, the mystical, overcomes the literal, plain, written word. And what he wants to do in a parable, and it's not direct, I agree, it's not direct, but he's trying to make a correlation where you'll make a decision. And if you read his, if you read his parables here in Matthew and in Luke as requiring a decision, you will have a, you'll, be, you'll be light years ahead of the theologians. Seminaries can go on and on and on describing these, and you'll be achieving what the master wanted achieved. Because he wanted you to decide what to do because of what he said. Let him talk about mystical meanings. It doesn't mean anything. The kingdom is about the relationship. It's not about the kingdom of heaven. Is not about pie in the sky. You know, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasure is laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels they beckon me beyond heaven's door. But I don't. Well, how's it finished? But I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Well, if you have him, where, where would you care where you are? And, and you know, uh, yes, obviously we have something better waiting for us uh, when we can see him, <laughs> touch him. But the kingdom of heaven is now; it's not later. And the parables are about this relationship that begins now. It's not a spiritual community. This kingdom of heaven. You know, some denominations we're the kingdom of heaven. Uh, we have one king. We are his subjects. The king is Yeshua. He's Messiah. And all who are called by him are his subjects. Everything that Yeshua speaks regarding the king is always to be understood in that relationship between himself and his subjects. He's the king. We're the subjects. He, is, he has called us his friends and his brothers. But don't misunderstand. He is the king. If you rush into the king's uh, throne room and do not have the scepter extended to you, uh, that's that doesn't matter if your friends or not. You know that that, that picture we get with with uh, with Esther, you know, approaching the king. Uh, that's what we we know. That's true. We know that we know that he extends the scepter to us and says, "Come into my presence." But it's only because we enter with fear and trembling that we do we do we recognize him as king in that sense. So remember the kingdom. These pictures, these parables, this discussion of the kingdom of heaven, which is predominant in this book, because he's being presented as a king, always needs to be understood with that with that in mind. We're the subject. He's the king. He's not my buddy. He has called me his friend and his brother, but he's not my buddy. You know the 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 parable that you put on the refrigerator about the steps in the sand he's, he's, he's not our buddy he's the king in fact if there were steps in the sand it would be my steps in the sand doing what he asked me to do not him carrying me as if I'm you know as if I have no responsibility at all you know, we, we need to understand that it is our duty to obey him period that's your understanding of the kingdom of heaven. Now let's talk about the parables. Go to uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 3. 
And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places, where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up, because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a good crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Okay. How have you heard this parable explained before? Who are the birds? This is not birds in this one. Uh, this is the one Luke has. Yeah, the birds. Yeah, became a devoured them. Who are the birds? Satan. <laughs> Satan. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And uh, um, uh, <coughs> what about the thorny ground? Well, first of all, boy, I tell you this. You know this here. This parable is oftentimes used by Calvinists and Arminians to prove their point. Those who believe that their salvation is is eternal, and those who believe their salvation could be lost. They, they draw great theological arguments from this, as if it teaches anything associated with it. What's the good ground? Well, let's talk about, first of all, what is the kingdom message? The seed is the kingdom message. What is the kingdom message? Repent. That's the kingdom message. So, you throw the seed out, that's the kingdom message. Okay? Here it is. Throw the seed out. Throw the seed out. Repent. By the way, the birds, are, it could be the wicked one. Could be the enemy. Absolutely. What's the path? The wayside, the path. He says it. Yeah. The one will not receive the message. Doesn't understand it. Yeah. Stony ground. What does he say? What's the stony ground? Yeah. What's the... What's the uh, well, yeah, when difficulties rise. The thorny ground, what's that? Clears the world. Clears the world. Right. What's the good ground? That's, and, and, and you know, and you see now, do you, do you see you're trying, you're, these are the feather on the arrow. When he's trying to make a single point. What's the single point? Uh, the bountiful crop. What's the bountiful crop? And you, you, you said it. What is it? The seed has fruit. What's fruit? It's not how many people you bring to Messiah. It could be fruit, but that's not the fruit. The fruit. What is the fruit? Say what? Just obeying Him. Yeah. Just responding. Good deeds, righteous acts. So what's the point? The singular point. Those who truly obey the kingdom message will they'll have fruit. That's it. Nothing else. I can promise you there's been volumes and volumes on this one parable. How many sermons have been taught on this one parable? But did they ever get? Sometimes they do. Don't misunderstand. But sometimes they do. But how often do they get to the point of what? If you respond to the message, you'll have fruit. That's it. That's it. If you respond to the message, then what's the message? Turn around. Follow me. Obey me. That's it. Wow, man, what a whole lot of waste of those verses, right? No. He's, he, is, he is a typical sage, a typical way of teaching. The rabbinic way of teaching is with parables. And I gave you some parables in your homework. 
that you could see. And if you actually would pick up the source document and read, I mean, any any extant Jewish text, whether it be whether it be Midrash, uh, Midrash Rabbah, or or the or the or the Talmud, all you're going to read is parables. I mean, everybody talks in parables, and they're not trying to discuss some hidden meaning. They're just trying to make a point. They're just giving a sermon illustration. It's a little bit more than that, but it's basically just an illustration, so you get the point. And that's what he's doing. He's not trying to give you some deep theological teaching. See, this is what people want. They want more. Was that it? I'm supposed to respond to repent? And if I respond, everyone will know? Even those that didn't see me raise my hand? Everyone will know if I respond? Everyone will know if I'm a part of the kingdom? That's it. There's nothing more than that. It's not a salvation message. This is not a salvation teaching. He's not teaching a salvation teaching here. He's teaching the people who thought they were saved. And some of them didn't get it. Why didn't they get it? I mean, really, we talk about it. They walk away scratching their head going, what did he mean by that? (laughs) Because they're looking deeper. There's got to be a hidden meaning here. No, it's very simple. He's saying I'm the king. If you respond to my message, you're my subjects. And if you respond to my message, people will know it. I'll know it. It's about a relationship. Our relationship with the king. So let's move on to the next one. Any comments on that one? Yeah. How did you do when you did those in your... If those who did your homework, how did you do when you did those? I did it. I did part. I enjoyed it. Enjoyed it? Well, I mean, it's a good exercise anyway. Whether you get the same answer I got, it's not completely important but you, you, it is a good exercise because you're trying to make it simple right I mean it, didn't I do that for you I kind of tried to teach you how, how do you do this simple what were you going to say just a quick comment it was uh, as far as one of the various teachings I've heard on that passage I've heard the whole thing has to do with money yeah that's oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> ironically it's it it's money that's right you know, of course the harvest is there you go yeah and ironically it's and yeah. here comes the the offering basket immediately after the after the <laughs> I, I don't know why it works that way. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to have to teach you this, but hey, this, we're coming to that in scripture now. So you know, I don't don't normally teach about money. But <laughs> you've heard it. You know what I'm talking about. Anybody else get anything else? So I mean, anything. <laughs> please uh, don't don't be embarrassed. Because I said it's simple, and if you didn't get the same thing, that's don't be embarrassed. Did anybody get anything different? Questions about it? At all? Okay, let's move on. Uh, the wheat and the tares. Ooh, this is a good one. <laughs> Matthew tw- thirteen twenty four, And it's coupled with uh, uh, 36 through 43 and thir- uh, 47 through 50. So let's look at the uh, uh, 24 through 31st. Another parable. He put forth to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like... And this is, by the way, if you did your homework, you saw this, but if those who didn't, didn't or don't have a workbook... Whenever you hear someone say, it's like unto this, you, you can immediately say, this is a parable. Whenever Yeshua says, it's like this, he's saying, in Hebrew, everybody immediately goes, okay, we know what, what kind of teaching this is now. Because this is the common way of doing it. And again, if you read the Talmud, it's always that way. It's like unto, what can I liken it unto? It's a like unto this. And that's what he's doing. So it's a very, very Jewish way to teach. Very very Jewish way to teach. Uh, it is, it's likened unto this. So he says, if you want to understand the kingdom of heaven, I'll give you a simple life 
life point here that you can identify with. Now some of these things we don't identify with because they're not part of our culture. Sowing seed is not a part of our culture, so we don't necessarily identify with it. That's, that's to our detriment. We should try to think of how the hearer heard these parables. Again, some of them didn't get it. Why didn't they get it? It's because it was too simple. Not because it was too complex, or because they're, 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 uh, uh, because they didn't understand the theology of it. It's not about theology. It's about simple, simple things, life things to teach something, uh, something more difficult. And the difficult thing is, will you obey me? <laughs> the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in this field. Is this the same one? Hold on. No, this is the t- wheat materials. Yes. But while man slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? Do you understand now if you start getting complex, you're going, Okay, now wait, the seed before was the, the message. <laughs> All right. How's that work? Uh, he said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you not want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both go together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, First, gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. And then beginning in verse uh, uh, 36. Then Yeshua sent the multitudes away and uh, went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the tares in the field. Okay? Listen to how Yeshua does this, because this is the answer. If you want to know how to read parables, listen to what Yeshua does. He, he answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of God, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy has, who sowed them in the is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are the angels. Okay, he's giving you the feathers on the arrow. What's his point? Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will gather out, gather out of his kingdom all the things that offend and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, ears, let him hear. That's it. What's you going to do about it? You want to be a part of the kingdom of God, then, right? I don't know that much about what wheat and tares look like in the field, but I guess I imagine at the end when they're ready for harvest. They look different. They look different because you can tell by the fruit. That's right. The seed. That's exactly right. Up until that, they do look the same. Yeah. But a farmer knows that. Yeah, we don't have that. We don't have that. That real life experience. Yeah. But again, again, you'll know them by their fruit. Eventually, yeah. Eventually, you'll know them by their fruit. Uh, and, and, and the dragnet, which is the couplet for the wheat and the tares, is Matthew thirteen forty seven. Uh, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea. Y'all know what a dragnet is? Uh, it's a way of fishing. It's a way of fishing, but it's not like with a with it's, it's and, yeah. And it just brings up everything. It doesn't. It does. Nothing gets through the dragnet. Okay, uh, or everything rather gets caught by the dragnet. Uh, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet. That cast in the sea and gathered some of every kind which when it was full they drew to shore and they sat down and gathered the, the good into vessels but threw the bad away well you know what people immediately go what are the vessels 
<laughs> What's the deeper meaning? So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth, separate the wicked from among the just, and cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Yeshua said to them, Have you understood all these things? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Well, we, we got it now. This one was coupled with the, the wheat and the tares one. Okay, we can figure this one out. We can figure this one out. So we've got it. Uh, so let's put the two together, the two, uh, the two uh, parables together, uh, the wheat and the tares and the dragon. Who's the sower? The son of man. And he says that. Who's the, what's the field? It's the world. What's the good seed? He says it's the sons of the kingdom, which we saw earlier. Who are the sons of the kingdom? Those who hear and respond. Okay? Uh, the enemy. Oh, excuse me. What are the tares? Sons of the evil one. Ooh, there are those two? Yeah, those are those who hear but don't respond. Uh, who's the enemy? The devil. The harvest, the end of the age. Part of the Shimon Esrei prayer. Talks about the gathering. Gathering. One of the benedictions is the gathering. Blessing God because he gathers, he gathers his people. And he is a judge. And he's going to separate between the wheat and the tares. This is common. This is a common thing that he's teaching uh, the harvest the end of the age the reapers are the angels the burning of the tares the separation of the torment of the lake of fire the wheat gathered into the barn the righteous with their king what's the barn you know <laughs> you see, see I mean you, you can go deeper but it, that's fine you can but if you mistake the main plain meaning then, then you're just adding to it uh, the dragnet the kingdom of heaven the sea the world the fishermen are the angels, right? They're gathering up. So you've got to put these together, don't you? Uh, the good fish are the righteous, the bad fish are the wicked. What's the point? The judgment will reveal who the true citizens are. Right? I hope, I hope, I hope we're not surprised. I think sometimes we will be. Seems like the wicked always get raptured out yeah, well, how's that work? Yeah. But no, no, but no, okay, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up because what do people normally do in these parables if they become, they turn them into end time prophecies too, right? And this is, this has an end time, this does have an end time correlation, doesn't it? But that's not his point. He's not teaching on end times, is he? Not really. So the kingdom, though, is, it's now, but it is also prophetic. Of course. It will be a of course. But it's prophetic only in the sense that we'll see the full correlation, the full uh, culmination of it. The kingdom's now. And you know, you've heard that, is the kingdom of heaven now or is it later? You know, seminaries ponder this. Is the kingdom of heaven now or is it later? What, what, how does time bind God? <laughs> you know? How about thy kingdom come? Yeah. Is that prophetic or that means should we obey now? Matthew, Matthew 6, Yeshua's prayer that he gives to his disciples says My, thy kingdom come and then what does, what does the next phrase say that's the same thing that's the same thing that's the same thing so can the kingdom exist today every time you obey him which three the second heaven that's true too yeah. but his, his will is done in heaven is he known as king there by everyone? Unquestionably. Is he known as king in this world? There's some doubt, isn't there? Where is he king? When his people obey him. There is he is king. And that's the whole point. That's what we're talking about. That's the relationship. Our point of decision is, will we obey him? If we do, his will is being done. He's king. That's it. 
It's simple. And that's what he's doing. That's exactly what he's doing. He's making this, he's making this very simple decision for us. Are you going to obey or not? Let's move on. The treasure of the mustard, or excuse me, the parable of the mustard seed and leaven. Oh, this is, these are good ones. I've heard lots of sermons on these. Matthew 13, 31. Some of them, actually some of the sermons I've heard have been very good on this. Some have not been so good. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it was grown into a greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches, another parable spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till it was all leaven. Ooh, leaven's bad. No. Uh, <laughs> Levin is good. Levin is using the offerings. It's not. It's not good at some time of year. <laughs> uh, uh, sometimes the leaven's picture. That's right. Sometimes it is. Yeah. Sometimes it is. Oh well. What are the birds that that are in the? Birds in the in the in the air. These are great. I love these. And that, I, yeah, honestly, I could I could debate over some of these points, but let's let's just let's just go with what we put down. The sower is obviously Yeshua. The mustard uh, says the mustard seed. He's the he's the woman mixing the flour. The mustard seed is the kingdom of heaven. Well, he says that uh, the mustard seed in the in the leaven when it's the kingdom of heaven. Uh, what's the field that he sows it in? Well, that's kind of like what we saw before, but it, we could say it's the world maybe. Uh, What's the tree that grows? The kingdom fully realized. Now, this is where I draw from some prophecy from Daniel, where Daniel describes this vision where a stone, a stone is cast and, des- and destroys this great statue in, in Daniel's uh, vision, and the stone grows into a mighty mountain and fills the whole world. Well, that's kind of like the same idea. It starts small, gets big. Uh, and that the kingdom of heaven is like a seed. It's very small. So very small. In other words, here's the way it starts out. It starts out with you. One person obeying him. He's king. But it grows into a mighty mountain, fills the whole world. What's going to happen? We talked about the new covenant. Everybody, from the least to the greatest, is going to honestly be able to say, "I know Him, I obey Him." We have a relationship. So that's so it starts small, gets big. Uh, what are the birds? Any of that? I, I thought that the leaven was hidden sin, and if you don't get rid of the hidden sin, then that's. If you don't keep these two together, that's why you have to kind of pair the parables up when he gives them to you. Sometimes they're not together, but try to pair them up as best you can because otherwise, like you... And, and, and the reason why he thought leaven was sin was because oftentimes leaven is described as sin. That's right. This is, this is one of the problems with parables is once you define what something is, the birds are always Satan. No, you can't do that. <laughs> I thought the dough was like a person's wife. Like, you know... And if, and if you don't root out the, the hidden sin, then it's going to end up ruining. Is that a, like bad morals? Is that a good? Is that a good teaching? That's a good teaching. That's a very good teaching. But our difficulty in all of these parables is how can we find out not what it could mean to me, but what did just use Yeshua mean simply up front? Remember, they're parables. They go around. They're not the direct route. They go around trying to teach us through a common. If you if you are a baker, you wouldn't think as leaven is sin. You wouldn't. We think of leaven as sin because we've been taught that leaven always represents sin, but it doesn't. So, but that was actually that's a very good that's a very good understanding of it. 
But leaven, in this case, in this parable, he's trying to say something good. Kingdom of heaven is like leaven. Right? It's like the, the dynamic characteristic of yeast. Um, Start small, gets big. That's the point. Isn't that the point he's making? Yes. The singular point is, even though the kingdom begins small, it fills the earth. That's it. Nothing more. Sow a mustard seed. You know? Sow a little bit of leaven. It starts small, gets big. You can get a whole lot of extra stuff on it. And like I said, there's nothing wrong with getting extra stuff. But what does he intend for you to decide on the basis of it? It's the simple. Start small, gets big. What am I supposed to understand from that? It's my responsibility to obey him. Me, just me alone. That's good enough. That's all I can do. It's his responsibility whether everybody else does. <laughs> right? Let's move on. Long out of time. As always. But, uh, first of all, before we move on, and thank you very much, Tuzi, for bringing that up. Any, any other, any, do I get something else from that? But so that, that's okay or of course of course even though it's different it may not be what he intended but can you draw something from that that was very good the danger of treating parables only as if they were our own personal message that's the danger so if, if Susie if you were to stand up and go um, this is the only recognized meaning for this but it goes against what he would what he plainly says he says the kingdom of heaven is like Yeast, that would be the danger, and that's what that's what we hear oftentimes. People teaching teaching doctrine from this, other than its plain meaning, as if this is the way that it has to be understood, other than its plain meaning. When I say plain meaning, they're parables for a reason. They're just an illustration. They're not the most direct way of saying it, but there is a plain meaning. He says the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, right? He says the that's first uh, 33 any others it's going to fill the whole earth it's going to fill it all up that's right start small gets big that's it think about now again have you heard sermons on these I know you have <laughs> was it small I mean could we do it in just a few minutes no <laughs> Yeah, it was it was very expansive, no doubt. Maybe it was a whole series. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it, it's remarkable. I think that's great, by the way. I have no problem with that. But uh, don't miss the plain meaning. Start small, gets big. Um, let's move on. Now, the treasure and a precious pearl, Matthew thirteen forty four. <laughs> These are short too. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. Don't ever mistake when he says the kingdom of heaven is like you got it. Okay, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which man found and hid, and for joy over uh, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Oh, I've heard this one. You need to give everything that you have to this ministry. Because it's valuable. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> sure. Okay. Absolutely. 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 And that's the, that is the, that is the simple meaning, though. Yes. Okay. And and uh, what's the couplet? What's it paired with? Is the precious pearl in verse forty-five? It says again, the king of heaven is like a merchant seeing beautiful pearls who when he hid one 
one, uh, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. You know, and I've, I've, heard, I've heard great Messianic teachers teach on pearl. You know, it comes from a non-kosher animal. And it's like, come on. It's just, <laughs> so it's just, what's the plain meaning? What is this treasure? First of all, the man is a disciple. Sure, the man's a disciple. The treasure is the kingdom of heaven. That's what he said. The pearl of great price, that's the kingdom of heaven. That's what he said. The field uh, that the treasure is hidden is the value of a relationship with the king. Um, the merchant who sells, who, who, who buys the pearl is, is, is a, a disciple as well. Uh, the cost of the pearl is the value of a relationship with the king. And the singular point, and this is what, and this is what, you, what you refer to, the cost of discipleship far outweighs having a relationship with the king. It, it is pretty simple. But we have heard deep, deep teachings. <laughs> the main point, the singular point is the cost of discipleship far outweighs having a relationship with the king. If I had to, one thing that you should learn from parables and from this exercise is that you have to draw one point. If you went through this exercise, you were trying to think, what's the one point? What's the one point? If, if, if you got the point that you have to find one point, you got the exercise, even if you didn't get the one point. Because the problem with most people reading parables is they get multiple points. There's only one point. He's just trying to make a simple point. And, and it is the, the, the value. Uh, I, wish I, I wish I could tell you a parable. I had time, time to tell you a parable uh, from this one. Um, if I'll get to the end. If I have time, I'll come back. Because there's a very wonderful parable about this very same thing. Uh, from the Talmud that gives you a, a, a glimpse of what we're talking about. The parable of the householder, Matthew 13.52. This is a short one. Therefore... Uh, 1352, is that right? Yeah. Then he said to him, Therefore, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out his treasure, things new and old. I love this. Everyone. So, 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 um, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure, things new and old. The householder is one who's been discipled, a scribe, someone who studies, who wants to know his master's, master's teaching. He, the old treasure, are the words, the, the very words of, of, of Scripture. The very words of Scripture is the treasure. And, and the new treasure is seeing Messiah in those words. You know, this is kind of the way he finish, finishes with this, this teaching that he does here in Matthew. Is, is you, you know, it's one thing to know the very words of Scripture, and it's another thing to make the correlation of how it relates to Messiah. And it's what we've talked about in here in this class before. You know, to study the Torah is not something to be taken lightly. Uh, anyone who studies the Torah finds the value of it. Uh, whether they be in a uh, yeshiva in Jerusalem or whether they be in a seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, those who study the scripture find the value of it. Those who find the greatest value are those who find Messiah in it. Uh, so we should never discourage people from studying scripture for any reason at all. The singular point, those who have learned to see Messiah in the words and learned to live as he lived, they're the ones that have the most to offer. They're the ones that truly recognize the value of the kingdom because they recognize the king, they have a relationship with him, and they obey him. And that was, yeah. and that, and these are, this is the way that Yeshua speaks. What is it worth? The relationship with the Almighty, it's worth it. Obeying him sometimes is difficult, but it's worth it because that's what makes me his subject. I'm known as his subject because I obey him. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. In my life will I obey him, his kingdom is now. 
That's right. And that's the decision. That's what you know, this whole chapter is devoted to making making it clear that you need to make a decision. You need to, if you want to be a part of the kingdom, you have to recognize him as king. Let's close in prayer. Father, we do thank you. We do thank you that we have such a such a great king. You are king of the universe. You are the power above all powers. We recognize that, Father. May our lives recognize it by our obedience to you. We thank you that you've given us good instructions. None of them have, have become a burden to us. All of them are good. We thank you that you love us so much that you've told us what you require of us. We thank you that you love us so much that you've given us good instructions. That our Master Yeshua's instructions are easy and his burden is light. Thank you that you've revealed yourself even in those instructions that we can know you and understand who Messiah is. We pray in Yeshua's name. Amen.